0: Welcome back, folks, to Make My Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gregory, and we are hitting the comic book world at a very, very, very interesting time. Uh, As you are all keenly aware, as you huddle in your homes and stay indoors and take care of yourselves and wash your hands and take care of your neighbors and convene with your friends and family via Zoom and Skype and FaceTime all of these other things that we are slowly learning how to make use of better than we were before, um, the comic book industry is is also changing, which is maybe a, a much less important thing than some of the other things going on in the world. This is a very... Uh, serious crisis and all aspects of life are being affected. But in our corner, um, we're here to talk about comics. And so, uh, if this is your first time with us, Make My Multiversity is a twice-monthly podcast. Normally, we're very cheery and fun and happy. We talk about all things Marvel Comics, uh, movies, comics, uh, shows, other things, other old books, and such. Uh, we're hosted by the wonderful Multiversity comicscom which is your home for all things comic related, think pieces, television shows, movie reviews, uh, other tons of fun podcasts that you can go and check out at your leisure which are going to be doing a ton of fun things um, as we uh, live into this new reality that we're in. Uh, Multiversity has podcasts about DC Comics, about manga, about other aspects of the industry. Uh, one of Our alumni here on Multiversity, or on Make Mind Multiversity, uh, Nick Palmieri, recently launched a podcast that went live, um, I think, the week before last, or last week, um, which they are taking um, comics that have been turned into movie adaptations and talking about both, side by side. Uh, It's a really fun show. You should absolutely check that out and support Nick. Um, But with that, we'll talk about this episode. Um, this is our our first our first episode of the month episode, so we, you normally cover news, and then the second part of the episode, as per usual, the DC3 cast boys, Brian, Vince, and Zach, will be on to talk about the Dawn of X-Books for the month of March. That hasn't changed. All of those came out, and they are able to review them and talk about them, and so you should stay around after the break to do that. But we're going to break down a little bit some of the... Um, Uh, direct market comic book news stuff for you, where Marvel's books stand in that. Um, We're going to talk about some books that were announced that are coming out uh, June, July. And then we're going to look at the June uh, solicitations for Marvel like we've been doing the last few months. And I'll give you my top five things that I'm excited about, whether or not those comics come out on time or not. We do have the solicitations. There's some fun stuff in there. And we're going to talk about it and hopefully bring a little bit of levity to uh, your your endeavors at this point in time. Um, So of course uh, the comic book industry, like all other industries has been hit pretty hard by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Last week, uh, diamond distributors, which is the, um, so the way that diamond comic distributors, the way that the sort of direct market works, you might've heard that term. You probably know a lot of things. You may not know some things. Um, All of the different companies, Marvel, DC image, IDW boom, vault valiant whatever they all print um their own comics they have their own printers uh and then they send those comics that they've printed to diamond comics distributors diamond then distributes all of the comics to all the individual comic book stores um, all your local comic book shops and other retailers that buy comics. Diamond is the pretty much the sole distributor of comics in the in the U.S. Now, now places like DC and Marvel have some other distributors for when they send like trades and things to um, places like Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Um, and the sort of digital comics stuff is largely separate from things that happen in Diamond, at Diamond. So, you know, DC, Marvel have their own digital storefronts. Uh, other other publishers do as well. And they also have, you know, like places like Comixology, where weekly releases come out, Comixology owned by Amazon. Um, and that is largely, those sales and that whole process is largely separate from what happens um, with Diamond. But because we're all social distancing and, of course, comics are not uh essential labor and things although they are quite fun and we're glad to read them uh and we're glad we're glad to have them and we're glad to have entertainment and other fun uh works of art and things like this uh in this moment um the local, most local i mean all local comic book shops are not essential and so most of them in in are closed uh, most of them in your area might be closed they might be doing sort of drive drive thri- drive through um distributing kind of things like some restaurants are doing so you call them order or order online you drive up they hand you your comics to the window you drive away you tip them well hopefully tip all your tip everyone folks tip them all well all the people in the gig economy um and so that's that's how all that's working right now but last week diamond uh said they were not going to be distributing any more comics until sort of the crisis um abates so the april 1st wednesday wednesday april 1st comics um because all you know individual issues come out on wednesdays um were not distributed this week so no comics came out this week on april 1st and for the foreseeable future that's that's kind of it's what it's looking like for for diamond um they're not sending books to retailers most retailers aren't open to be able to accept books uh, anyway uh, there are some local comic book shops like many other small businesses in the United States and uh, and abroad that are shutting their doors either permanently or which is very very sad and we'll we'll miss those comic book shops that are closing or they're closing for the time being uh, to weather the pandemic. Um, but with that, all of the other publishers, so Marvel, DC, uh, well, less of so them, but like all the, the image, boom, IDW, Dark Horse, all them, they said they were not going to be publishing uh, digital versions of the comics that would have come out on April 1st, April April 8th, the rest of this month until Diamond opens back up. Uh, they said that pretty right off the bat, they asked for solidarity. DC and Marvel were slower to get there, but they did not release any comics this week. Also, DC had said that they would be looking for uh, alternate distribution um, ways uh, and means they might, they are going to be publishing some of their books digitally though. They, it looks like they're waiting at least until the end of this month to start publishing things that would have come out this month. Um, and Marvel has followed suit and they're not publishing anything digitally at the moment. Um, but we don't know whether they'll commit to that for the time being. I mean, DC and Marvel have ways to get things out. They could skirt and publish things digitally anyway, which would be very unfortunate for local comic book shops who might lose some business, um, by people buying uh, comics digitally that they may not come back and buy physically. There is, and we'll hear probably more about this next week, so stay tuned on your on your feeds on Twitter, on MultiversityComics.com, um, other places. Um, there is a program that is coming into existence that already exists that some retailers, um, some local comic shops use called uh, Comic Hub. Comic Hub was a way for people to... Um, uh, so, you know, when you go to your local comic book shop or when you order from uh, sites like Discount Comic Book Service, or if you order from Midtown Comics in New York, uh, DCBS and Midtown are Diamond's two biggest customers. Um, you, you order, you know, several months in advance. You place your pre-orders. You have your, your pull list. If you go to your local comic book shop, you get a pull list. So these are the books that I want to be reading for the f- next few months. Your comic book shop orders those books. They're there for you when they get there. Um, and that's because they don't need to order more than than they need. Um, some books people are, are titles that only a handful of people read, and they wouldn't order them unless you tell them, I really want to read this book. Um, comic Hub was a way for you to not go into your comic book shop to do that. You could, your comic book shop, some comic book shops had like a digital storefront. You could create your pull list online and use that there. Um, But there are a number of retailers that are coming together to expand Comic Hub's sort of uh, ways of of operating, hoping to create ways to distribute digital comics on, on Comic Hub uh, so that you would buy the digital comics. You would get the digital comic immediately from Comic Hub. You could read the comic and then it would, is sort of like a like a voucher for a physical comic so that when the um the coronavirus pandemic is over you can go into your local comic shop and you can pick up the physical comics that you would have gotten um or that you the physical comics of the digital comics that you had ordered um and there are a number of retailers working on that at this time we know that that's something that the um local comic shops are really excited about, really excited about trying. There's been a lot of chatter on Twitter and other places, and we'll be keeping up with it on multiversecomics.com and on, and on this website. Uh, we don't know if any of the publishers uh, like Marvel and DC, if they are committed to doing that with, with Comic Hub, um, how this will affect uh, shop's relationship with Diamond. There are a lot of sort of contingencies that are still open um, with all of this. Uh, and there will be for the time being, um, and that's where we're at. Um, and that's kind of bleak, but that's the truth. We don't know what's going to happen, but things things to think about. And then we'll move on to some news and some fun things. In um, this time, think about uh, reading things in your in your back issues. If you're like me, you have. Like a long box full of comics that you haven't read, um, it will be fine. It'll be fun to finally go back and visit those and talk about them on the internet. Or talk about them with your friends or uh, talk about them with with other people so that they could then buy those, you know, digitally. It might be time to uh, invest in you know Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe if you were waiting on doing that. Um, although you know Marvel and DC probably don't really need your money uh, in the same way that other smaller publishers might. So. With that, you know you can buy comics from other smaller publishers on Comicsology or on their own digital storefronts on their websites. You can read back issues on Comics Comicsology and things. You can support Kickstarters for books that are still um, ongoing. You can buy sketches that people are selling on Twitter or on Instagram. Perhaps some some art, like full art, if you're feeling lucky and you have money saved up. Although we know that that is. Um, perhaps not true for for many of us at this point definitely not true for me i'm living on student loan money because grad student life uh, the point is uh think about the things that you can do and not just comics related Think about the things that you can do uh in your community for your neighbors for your family um i know this is getting kind of preachy but this is a time when we we the collective we we the collective community on this planet we um can really check on one another, can really do our best to be kind to one another, to care for one another. Um, and that goes far beyond just the comic books comic book world, although this is the comic book community is a very sort of close, close-knit community um, and it's time it's time to do that so. Think about all those things. Think about what you can do. Read more comics. Uh, We'd love to chat with you more about what comics you're reading in the comment section on this post at MultiversityComics.com or um, on the larger interwebs with other people on Multiversity Comics. If you follow any of us on Twitter, chat with creators that you like their work. Tell them you like their work at this time. I'm sure that they would love to hear things like that. Um, And just read comics. Just, just, just do the thing. Just do the thing. All right, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. So, moving on to uh, sort of news things that Marvel has announced in the last sort of spell since we recorded last time. Um, there's less things than than usual. We covered a lot of them uh, last time because it was around the time that C2E2 happened, and so we knew a lot of the things that at least were coming early in the summer, like Ten of Swords and and other stuff. Which prelude things for that are perhaps coming in the solicits or we're in the June solicit. So uh, first off, we'll kick off with um, the news that we're getting a new sort of event. We don't know really anything about it, what books are coming in it, uh, how long it's going to be or whatever. It's one of those alpha issue and omega issue events that Marvel's been prone to do lately. They've been doing it with like Spider-Man books and, and uh, that's what Alpha Annihilation Scourge was. Uh, but we know we're getting a, a series called uh, Darkhold, the Darkhold is the the name of the event. And this is noteworthy because it's the first... So we have the Darkhold Alpha issue is coming out in uh, in June. And it's noteworthy because uh, Steve Orlando, who was until recently a DC Comics exclusive writer, is making his Marvel debut on this event. And that's really, really exciting. The art is going to be by uh, C.N. Tormey, who has been doing some stuff over at DC. I think he might have been one of their artist workshop graduates but i think most recently he did some issues of, of batgirl with cecil castellucci um which is exciting so uh orlando did a ton of fun work at dc like his justice league of america stuff was really fun he's been writing wonder woman uh as of late and he has a ton of fun creator on stuff and he's a great uh writer you should check him out on the internet check him out in other places um but this event uh darkhold is sort of a uh, what we're getting here it's a sort of magic. Uh, type of event thing. So uh, the Darkhold is the Book of the Damned in the Marvel Universe. uh, And one of the greatest sorcerers in the multiverse has found it. And the writer of it, Shithan, the Elder God, has found him. And so Scarlet Witch has to gather up all these magic heroes to basically fight Doom, who has found this book. Uh, And that's about what we know right now. That's from the solicit. Um, But it seems like right up in Orlando's wheelhouse of fun continuity things, magical stories. Uh, It seems like it's going to have some characters who are maybe on the outskirts of some of the main Marvel titles, like Scarlet Witch doesn't have a book right now. We talked about Scarlet Witch quite a bit on our episode um, uh, last month when we talked about X-Men number seven, because she featured primarily in that because she is now basically the mutant uh, devil. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. As they uh, are starting the, you know, the crucible uh, stuff on Krakoa, and um, finally, sort of bringing mutants uh, and giving them the giving them the ones that lost their powers uh, during House of M, giving them their powers back by that process. Um, and that's exciting. So this is an exciting event. We're excited that Orlando is doing stuff at Marvel. He's said on on Twitter and other places he has some fun creator-owned stuff that are that is coming out later this year, uh, and we look forward to his uh, uh, career taking off in new directions. Uh, moving on, we're getting a five issue mini series, a Shang Chi series, and this is really really exciting. So you'll recall that Shang Chi is getting um, a a movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's coming out next February, Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. It's starring Similu as, uh, as Shang-Chi. It's the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie to star an, um, an Asian lead actor. And it's really, really exciting for those reasons as the Marvel Cinematic Universe blossoms into telling new and different stories. Uh, Shang-Chi, this five-issue miniseries is going to be written by Jean Lun Yang, who wrote the... Uh, wrote uh, American Born Chinese which was a much lauded uh, graphic novel great graphic novel he's done a lot of fun work at DC on things like New Superman and the main Superman book uh, he's a, a great a great writer outside of just the comics and graphic novel medium like celebrated on I think he's doing some. he's like president of some kind of like children's book something library thing I'm gonna get yelled at for not knowing exactly what that is uh, right it's like library and bass. I don't know whatever He's a really cool dude. He's a great writer. Um, he's a perfect, perfect choice to be writing a Shang-Chi miniseries. It's going to be illustrated by two artists. There's going to be sort of, I think, flashback in present-day sequ- sequences. So we have uh, Dyke Ruin and uh, Philip Tan uh, on the book. Um, and sort of the, the uh, plot, I guess, is that Shang-Chi's father, who I don't know that we've met really in the comics, is... Uh, is a super villain. and so we are going to get some more backstory um, about him. We're going to explore more about Shang Chi's family, um, and we're going to get to get to delve into uh, into his character more. Absolutely, probably uh, in a way that is really sort of liberating for the character and really fun. He hasn't been around a lot, I guess, in recent years at Marvel. He's been a part of the Agents of Atlas stuff uh, that Greg Pak was doing. Um, and then before that he featured I think semi prominently in in Hickman's Avengers saga stuff but after that really hasn't been around and I don't know that he's been you know at the forefront in any sort of like solo title way in in a very long time Uh, so this is really really exciting it's exciting the characters getting more prominence Uh, Marvel got a great writer in Gene Luen Yang I hope this leads to more work for him at Marvel I hope this is one of those five issue miniseries that it starts and then Marvel realizes this could take off which is what they've been doing a lot recently with like Hawkeye Freefall and the Amazing Mary Jane and some others. Uh, and they give it more uh, more issues after that because I could read uh, Jean Lin Yang do things all day long. Another five-issue miniseries that we're getting starting in July or June is uh, America Chavez Made in the USA. Five-issue miniseries written by Kalinda Vasquez, illustrated by Carlos Gomez. So speaking of Amazing Mary Jane, he's been one of the artists on on that Miniseries that extended into a an ongoing, or at least a twelve issue or ten issue or whatever series, um, which that's written by Lay Williams. Uh, Vasquez, I think this is her first uh, comic work, but she has been a writer producer on the Runaways Marvel show on uh, on Hulu, and then a writer producer on ABC's Once Upon a Time. Um, it's sort of a new reader uh, friendly. Uh, America series. I think it's it's more focused on her her origins and her origin story and sort of recounting and retelling um, that. This is America's America Chavez's second ongoing series. She had a uh, series back in a few while well, a few years ago, um, written by Gabby Rivera and illustrated by Joe Canones. Um, that's notable because uh, Rivera was a is a. Uh, young adult, like YA fiction novelist, uh, and and uh, uh, queer Latino woman, um, and uh, this is the sort of second time that America has gotten a, a series, and it's also being written by somebody who is coming from uh, outside of comics writing or is making their comics writing debut, and so that seems to be a character that uh, Marvel's really wants to like push into prominence, um, but has not quite figured out how to do that in what way i mean she, she america appeared really prominently in al ewing's ultimates stuff and then in uh kelly thompson and stefano caselli's west coast avengers things um and they're trying to figure out how to make her uh be her own solo character um which they totally should because um, she's a, a boss ass character like super super powerful uh, as like and like an amazing power set um and we hope this helps her take off in new and different ways since West Coast Avengers ended I don't know that we've really um, seen her although that only ended last year so um, yeah we hope that this leads to more more things for her more things for the Young Avengers especially perhaps if the Young Avengers show up in, in Empire and they have things spinning out of that or, or if they show up in the uh, outlawed status quo that Marvel is um, championing with champions and uh, other things <laughs> um, and yeah so, we have that to look forward to. And then also starting in... I'm going to pause this. Real. Okay, and then last but not least, Marvel is beginning in June a eight-part annual event series. Uh, not like it's going to happen yearly. Uh, annual as in it's going to take place in annuals. Um, called Infinite Destinies. Uh, it's sort of a... It's an Infinity Stones story and it is mashing up established characters like Iron Man and Captain America and those folks with characters, villains, and heroes that are new, new like been created in the last couple years to the Marvel Universe. So what that means is, is that over the course of from June to September, we're getting these uh, annuals, like two a month with uh, one established character and teaming up or fighting a villain, um beginning in June, we have uh the two issues that are coming out in June are an Iron Man annual and a Captain America annual. The Iron Man annual is written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Ibram Robertson, uh and it's gonna pit Iron Man Against Quantum, which was a villain introduced in uh the Miles Morales Spider-Man series that's held in a meta's writing. And then also in June, Jerry Duggan and artist uh Marco Castello will have Captain America um introduced to Overtime, which was a character that uh, Duggan introduced in his five-part Wolverine Infinity Watch series, which I forgot about until this very moment. Um, And they're going to be vying over the Time Stone. Uh, Come July, we're going to get Thor, uh, a Thor annual guest starring The Spirit of Corruption, a Black Cat annual guest starring White Fox, and in August an Avengers annual guest starring, it says Classified, so I guess something Exciting or different or whatever is happening Uh, in August, a Miles Morales Spider-Man annual guest starring Amulet. Amulet's the uh, new um, uh, Muslim character that Salah Ahmed created in uh, The Magnificent Miss Marvel, number 13, uh, that came out last month, I think. In September, a Guardians of the Galaxy annual guest starring Prince of Power, who was recently seen in Guardians of the Galaxy. And then an amazing Spider-Man annual guest starring Star far as the villain that Kelly Thompson created for the first part of her Captain Marvel run. We know that Kelly Thompson and Saladin Ahmed are attached to these books in some unknown way, whether they're writing an annual or there's also going to be a backup story that runs through all eight of the issues, which is going to pit uh, Nick Fury, as the agent of nothing and Phil Coulson as the agent of Mephisto. And they're going to fight each other and they're going to face off for the first time. And Nick Fury's going to learn that Coulson's back from the dead, uh, because he was killed by Deadpool and secret empire. He's been back in Jason Aaron's Avengers run stuff and they're going to fight and shit. And it's going to be cool. Uh, so yeah, that's what's going on with that. Um, this sort of takes after last year's acts of evil, um, annuals thing. You'll be reminded that that was a series that sort of pitted, uh, heroes against villains that they wouldn't normally fight. So I think like She-Hulk fought uh, Bullseye. Uh, Miss Marvel fought the like Super scroll. That, that issue we, we reviewed uh, on, on this podcast. That was just, uh, written by uh, Mags Visaggia. Um And so this is an opportunity for Marvel to, to uh, bring some new folks in to write some, some new and different characters. Uh, that's cool and different. It's not a story that seems like it'll have a lot of lasting implications um, even though it's starting the Infinity Stones. But, you know, there might be some fun issues, some fun pairings. Uh, It's a fun time to think about uh, these new characters that Marvel's creating. Um, Some of them, I don't know where they've come from, but uh, it is a a good way to spotlight them and uh, will be something that if it's exciting, uh, we'll talk about it here. Um, Okay. So last but not least, we're going to talk about the June 2020 solicitations for Marvel, keeping in mind that these books may or may not come out in June, depending on what happens with the coronavirus, with Diamond, with the publishers, so on and so forth, but they are solicited for June, and they haven't been moved yet. So five things uh, that were exciting from the June 2020 solicitations that I I want to point out. We've talked about Darkhold and and Shang-Chi and America already, um, Empire, the event is continuing. Was supposed to launch, uh, actually this week with zero issues, but it's of course being delayed. But Empire's continuing, will wrap up in July. The fourth and fifth issue of the main mini series comes out in June. Um, and this is the month that Wiccan gets drawn into the conflict. Uh, Strike Force is tying into Empire, and Wiccan is on the com- cover of Empire number five. Uh, so we're gonna get to see. What Wiccan thinks of of his boyfriend being a villainous dictator. It's gonna be fun, fun times or scary times. Are they gonna break up? I hope they don't break up. Uh, also, Carol uh, Carol Danvers is doing uh, accuser things. Uh, we have not seen an issue of the event yet, but we know throughout the course of it that Carol is going to become an accuser for the Kree Empire. And on the cover of her book in June, which is with Captain Marvel, which is tying in written by, uh Kelly Thompson and illustrated by Corey Smith. Uh, she's adding War Machine and Spider Woman and Hazmat to her Accuser squad. So she's gonna have uh, Accuser team up. Fun time. And the costumes are ten out of ten. Look cool. Uh, we also know. That's the first thing. We also know uh, Ten of Swords sort of uh, prelude begins in um, in June. Uh, the solicit for X Med number twelve has something cryptic like this is gonna launch the biggest event of the summer or whatever which I thought Empire was the biggest event of the summer but I like Dawn of X stuff so I'm not gonna argue with it too much um, and on the cover of X-Men 12 the uh, one of the summoners or the summoner that we met in X-Men number 2 the summoner of Araco is on the cover uh, you'll recall in that issue that was the second issue of, of Hickman and Yu's X-Men book um uh, uh, the Summers family goes to Aracco because strange things are happening, and then that's when the the islands bone and become one island. Aracco and Krakoa unite again, and so now we've seen uh, our, the Aracco part of the island, and the first issue of Cable when they're going to fight monsters over there. Um, and there was a, a a person in that issue named the Summoner. He and the end of the issue was we know was tied up in with Apocalypse in some ways. He said that his Parent was, or his, uh, through his lineage, his like grandparent or whatever was was War of Apocalypse's first Four Horsemen, the original War. Um, that's something that was also teased in Hickman and Dustin Weaver's one page thing in Marvel Comics 1000. Uh, we also know that Excalibur's leading into Ten of Swords. There's a lot of exciting things happening there with like basically Krakoa becoming an empire and owning other or like owning Avalon and other world. I don't know uh, the Xavier's file website, which if you haven't checked them out, they're a great review website. Uh, I like their review style and I read them for for fun things. Um, they reported that the Amazon solicit for the Ten of Swords like hardcover thing has. Um, Three, like, Ten of Swords kind of one-shot things that are coming. Uh, it says Ten of Swords Creation, Ten of Swords Stasis, and Ten of Swords Destruction. Those are probably going to be the issues that are co-written by Hickman and Teeny Howard. Um, anyway, it just seems like it's going to be a fun, stupid event with swords, and it's going to have something to do with Araco. and Apocalypse is evil-ish, but we all knew that because his name's Apocalypse, and it's coming. Moving on, there's some endings in June. One is more exciting than the other. Um... Well, exciting is maybe the wrong word. One is a cooler ending, an ending I'm looking... Both of them are endings I'm looking forward to, but differently. So Iron Man 2020 ends in June. The sixth issue comes out. Uh, Super glad that that's going to be done. I hope that slot's off the book and somebody else fun comes on to write Iron Man. Uh, But also, uh, the 25th issue of Black Panther comes out in June, and it is the last issue of Ta-Nehisi Coates' long-running Black Panther saga. Started four years ago uh, during... Marvel Now 2.0, I believe, or yeah. Uh he launched with the first issue, had the Nation under Our Feet arc, and then the Marvel Legacy uh arc, and then this long-running 25-issue thing where where we have the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda and all of that is coming to a head. It's been a great saga. It's been like very philosophical, very fun, very interesting. I'm sad to see it go, but um I'm excited that it's it's wrapping up on its own terms. Um, and excited for what comes after for for T'Challa. Uh, T'Challa's been in a ton of books like the whole time this has been going on. He's been in Avengers, and it's been in, he's going to be an Empire. He's been doing things, and this doesn't really line up with that. So I'm excited to see what happens after. What's inside of Empire? Who can follow like Coates on this book because Coates has done sort of masterful work. Um, but sad to see it go. We'll celebrate it. Iron Man 2020. Not sad to see it go. We'll not celebrate it. Uh, There's some artist changes on books in June, which are exciting for different reasons. They're all artists that I like, so I'm pointing them out for that. Uh, First, uh, Amazing Spider-Man is is running up to um, an 850th issue where they'll celebrate some kind of legacy numbering things there uh, and probably reveal who Kindred is, which Spencer's managed to spread that out on 50 issues but mark bagley is coming back to the book ahead of that issue and will probably be a part of that celebration so that's fun he's a legendary spider-man artist cool cool artist uh guardians of the galaxy is featuring an issue where nova's going to be very sad and depressed and dealing with ptsd stuff and marcio takara is drawing that uh takara did some detective comic stuff at dc i think did the wolverine the long night podcast adaptation comic thing that ben percy also wrote and he was writing that podcast um Takar's great artists. I would love to see uh, them get more profile, high profile work at Marvel. Um, Thor, Something's Wrong with Mjolnir. Again, we're retreading things from Aaron's run, but I'm not going to be sad about it. Uh, but Aaron Cooter is coming on to draw the second arc of that book, taking over for Nick Klein. Uh, Cooter is another one of Marvel's young guns, and then last round of young guns. Uh, a great sort of like cartoony kind of artist. Uh, probably like a really interesting pairing um, with. Klein in him and he was been doing he's been doing work on Ghost Rider but I'm excited to see what he can do with Thor and then lastly on the Valkyrie book uh Craven is coming to the book for some reason um that book really hasn't found it's I mean like it's telling a lot of fun side stories and I really really like it and I like the tone that it struck and I like Jane and I like the characters um I don't think that it has like an overarching sort of plot which is not necessarily a bad thing I like episodic stuff but uh I don't know that it really knows what it is yet or where it fits in the larger tapestry of the universe, but I'm still enjoying it. But um, Mattia uh, D'Ulis is uh, coming on that book in June. Uh, D'Ulis did the Jessica Jones blind spot stuff with uh, Kelly Thompson, really good. Um, and a fun, more like hyper-realistic kind of artist. Last but not least, looking at the uh, trades that Marvel has coming out in June, Uh, So you'll recall that Marvel has been putting out the Dawn of X books um, in uh, both putting them out in trade as series. So like you can probably sooner rather than later buy an X-Men volume one that has the first six or seven issues of Hickman's X-Men book. But they've also been doing these Dawn of X volume ones through six and they've been publishing the first issues of X of X-Men and X-Force and the other six books or other four books of the six um, first issues and then second issues in the next volume and then third issues. And it's been like a fun way to read those books because they have kind of a reading order and they've had the reading order in the back of the books. Um, and they're continuing that even with the line expanding. Um, so the second wave of graphic novels is called Donavec's nation building. Uh, and, and they're starting with, over with a volume one. I think I had seen Jordan White say that technically we're not in Donavec's anymore, the Donavec's. They had a different name for what came after the Dawn but people had just adopted that language, so they kept it. So these are Dawn nation building and then volume one. So, and they're not going to have every comic in them because the line is expanding to like 15 or 12 books or whatever it is. Um, but they are going to have like the important issues. So if you were figuring out what are the important books that I need to be reading, um, I would start looking at these solicits because they can tell you, these are the books that I need to keep up with maybe to know... The largest, most not most comprehensive, but like most comprehensive without having to spend all the money to buy the books, kind of thing. So, the first volume will have uh, Marauders number seven, Excalibur number seven, X Force number seven, and the first issue of Wolverine, which had uh two um like 30 page issues in it. Um, and then volume two uh will have Marauders eight, New mutant seven, the giant size X Men, Emma Frost, and Jean Grey issue. X Force number eight, X Men number seven, and Excalibur number eight. So, just by looking at those, it kind of seems like Marauders, Excalibur, X Force, and X Men are really the books kind of driving the main thrust of the line at this point, if if those are to be believed. Um, And everything else is just kind of happening on the periphery. Uh, And we know that you know Excalibur is driving at least into Ten of Swords, as is the main X Men book, and Marauders and X Force are the two other books that are really telling like full sort of multi-arc comprehensive kind of stories. Like New Mutants has been, has gotten into like an arc by arc thing now that Hickman has rolled off the book. Um, But anyway, take that how you want it. Uh, I commend those to you. It's a fun way to read those books to collect. If I were to collect those books, I'm collecting them in in single issues. But if I were to collect them in trade, that's how I would do it because they look really pretty. And the Tom Muller Pepe Larraz covers for those are delightful. Um, cool. Well, that's it for our uh, our part of the episode this month. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks, perhaps to review some of Marvel's books from April, or perhaps with something fun and creative, which we'll tune you into uh, until then. We don't know. We don't know what books are going to come out. We don't know what the timeline is. Um, but when we do, we'll, of course, update you here and update you at multiversitycomics.com, so keep following us there. Uh, after the break, you can hear the DC3 boys talk about the March... 2020 dawn of x books uh check that out they're fun they're funny Um, keep reading comics keep checking on your folks we'll see you in a couple weeks take care bye Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show.
1: Hello, Marvel listeners. I'm Brian. Me, as always, there's Zach and Vince. We are here uh, as part of Stan- what if Stan Lee created the DC Three Cast to talk about uh, the March X books. So, Zach, why don't you tell our listeners what we are discussing tonight?
2: So we're going to talk about issues 8 and 9 of X-Men, we're going to talk about Giant Size X-Men, Nightcrawler, number one, and then we're going to talk about the first issues of Cable and
1: Hellions. Vincey, where do you want to start?
3: Let's start with Cable.
1: Okay. So we get uh, Cable number one, written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Phil Noto. Uh, Before we go too far, what are your guys' thoughts on Noto as an artist?
3: I love Noto as like a designer and a cover artist. I think when it comes to um, <clears throat> sequential storytelling, I think it, I think it may have just been this issue, but I feel like I felt this way in the past. Um, th- things are things feel a little slight anytime he's doing the art on something. Uh, I think individually. No. Like empty. Um, I feel like things are simpler than I'd like and you know you know, like I, I do like minimalism in art, but I feel like when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about like the Mike Allred thing. I, I don't feel I feel like Mike Allred's worlds are totally fleshed out and, and detailed, even if the style is more straightforward and and clean, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like Noto's art tends to be a little empty. Um, but I, I, I do love his covers and I love his, uh, design sensibilities. So I feel like, like, I'm not trying to hate on him, but I, I prefer, I prefer him as, uh, uh, an artist of a single image than, than a, a storyteller, you
1: know, exactly about you. I,
2: I know exactly what you're saying about the emptiness. I I I don't know if I would have like described it that way or expressed it that way, but I know exactly what you mean, and I I can't really describe it either. It's almost just kind of like, um, a lot of his like work def like um lacks definition, I guess, or um it, texture. There's very little texture. Does that
1: do you way agree with it. that? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but um, I guess the only other thing that I have read that had consistent uh, Noto interiors was his work on Uncanny X-Force. Um, which I did not care for, for a lot of the same reasons that like Vince mentioned. I also feel like he is kind of like more of a, covers artists where his characters feel kind of posed or or stilted a
1: lot. That's my Um, main main critique of his work.
2: Yeah. But I don't think that that's the case here. I felt like his work here was very dynamic um, and really good and actually um, reminded me a lot of the work Rod Rice just did in New Mutants.
1: Oh, I could see that. Yeah.
2: Um, So I... I actually really liked his art in this issue um, quite a bit. I thought it was really good.
1: Yeah, I I think I would sort of fall maybe slightly more onto the Vince side in terms of not loving his interior stuff and feeling like this issue was a little bit... Uh, I feel like clunky is a word we use for dialogue, not for art. But I think there's a lot of art, there's a lot of this work here, that, there are certain panels in particular that look like they're half-finished, or they were abandoned before all the, you know, modifications or whatever were done to it. So everything just feels a little bit half-baked throughout, but I think the sequences that, like, first, I think the sequence on Monster Island or whatever it's called, that whole sequence worked really, really well. I like that sequence a lot. I like that a lot better than the Wolverine cable fight from the beginning or from the, uh, you know, all the stuff that we get later on in the issue. Um, but overall, I have to say, I was not excited about a cable book. I was not excited Same. about a young cable book. And I was definitely not excited about a... Uh, a young cable book that was going to be, uh, it was going to be noto illustrated, but I really enjoyed this issue. Same on all counts.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I really enjoyed it all the way through my, my one criticism of the issue as a whole is that, um, I have no proof of this, but, this is a this was a a super sized issue based uh, uh, compared to your average week uh, monthly comic right. This was yeah, like this was like thirty two pa- yeah. yeah something like that. And I really felt like this was a case where things in this issue were decompressed with the purposes of padding out the page count. I I know that's a common criticism, but I just think like. Like I write very detailed notes. <clears throat> I write page by page notes for any comic I read for the show, and there are a lot of my notes in in for this particular issue compared to like and every other issue we're going to talk about, where it's just one line and it's like the heroes do one thing, then on the next page they do the next thing, you know, rather than <clears throat> rather than multiple panels on a page. Uh, containing multiple actions or multiple events, you know, it's very much like a, a padded out sort of feel. That that being said, so I felt like the issue strained to get to its uh, high page count. But that being said, at the same time, this is going to sound like a contradiction. There's a lot that happens in this issue.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. So, I don't so think it's I'd a weird. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot in this issue. No, yeah,
3: no, no, no. I, I mean that that's that is what I'm saying. Like, like at at by the at by the end of the issue, a lot happens. I'm just saying, like there there were there were certain sequences where I felt like okay, like that they, they're 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 straining to pad out this sequence, but they really don't have to because like the last here here's the the crux of my, my very minor complaint with this in the last six pages. You get the sword, you get the Galadorian armor waking up or the, or the, you know, robots or whatever they are. You get them blasting their way out, going to look for the sword. You get this final sequence with Kate, like that is so much to shove into the last five or six pages that I just, I felt like the pacing of the issue was a little off, but, but a, a ton of stuff happens and it's super entertaining. So like, I'm just, it's a very minor complaint. It's just something I felt while I was reading the sort of the middle of the issue where they come across that monster with the sword in his foot, you know? Um, but I, I love the part in the beginning where silver samurai is judging the, uh, fight contests in the quarry. That stuff was all great. There's a lot of good character. I feel like a lot of books in these last few weeks have been working with like things like that parties on Krokoa. Um, breakfasts on Krakoa to try to give these characters uh, a little bit of room to bounce off one another rather than being action, action, action all the time. And I, I really appreciate that. I, I
2: also thought that this, the, the, uh, the quarry was a nice counterpoint to the Crucible. Mm-hmm. This was, yes. you know, rather than, this was kind of more like fun combat as opposed to, you know, like very violent, ritualistic murder combat yeah um yeah i thought that this was kind of like a nice flip side to that um also the data pa- the data pages in this were fun um you know that we get the first one with the, uh, the... record <laughs> yeah which there were some really fun ones in there like uh Callisto's undefeated. yeah Callisto's undefeated um uh who was it uh magic and gorgon where Gorgon won because magic was disqualified and they wouldn't say why. (laughs)
3: Uh,
2: Yeah, some good flavor in that. um, Which I think, you know, I had maybe been a little bit down on the data pages in uh, Marauders, I think. Um, Which I think I'm like the only person in the world who ever has anything bad to say about that book. I don't get it. I don't know.
3: Um, (laughs) You, You thought they were... Uh, irreverent or something. No, right?
2: I thought I—I I didn't think that they were. I—I I thought that you they thought were they were
3: disrespectful kinda... to the idea of data pages.
2: Yeah, I did. I did think <laughs> that. Yeah, I did. I didn't think that. That's you had true. You
1: apologize to Tony for disrespecting the Bing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: That's our bullshit, baby.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I thought that the characters in this were a lot of fun. Uh, we had that. One, the Fauna, the mutant who was introduced in Hawksbox, the the young mutant, mm-hmm. uh, sh- showing up, which was nice. But, like, really, well, the stuff between armor and, and Cable and Pixie was fun. But then you get to the sword stuff and the Space Knight stuff uh, and oh, I all. Was, I was hooked. I was
1: over the moon. Oh, yeah, that stuff was great. All really good. Of this was really great. I I really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. I even love this is such a small thing, but I loved Cable being carried away after beating Wolverine and saying, "See you at home, Uncle Logan." <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's fantastic. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Um Yeah, I uh I was surprised by how much I like this book. I was surprised by how uh important it feels. This is kind of the like the first inklings of Ten of Swords
3: stuff, yeah. Which is interesting because Hickman uh, says that Teenie Howard's the the mind behind that. Um, yeah, but of course they're all gonna have to play with it. I'm sure. So I mean,
1: you figure. I mean, Teenie Howard is doing Excalibur, which has been like there's a there's a major sword at the heart of Excalibur, right? What?
2: Several swords, yeah, <laughs> even <laughs> even. Um. Yeah. So not that that stuff hasn't been there, but this was like a really blatant, like, sure. "Oh, here's a sword being introduced to the story." Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, and also some inferno hintings again. We're back on that.
3: Yeah, back on that bullshit. We'll we'll get we'll get to more of that later.
2: Yeah. A love... cable's got a, a
1: east of west robot horse thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one panel. It's on page 30 of our PDF. It's when cyclops shows up uh, after cable just gets his sword and you see it's there's like a there's like a cave or something and all you see is the sort of outline of the cave you see the black on the inside you see cyclops's visor lit up and it's this like it's almost like uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber lighting up in the middle uh, in the dark in in, uh, in Rogue One it's mm. this very ominous thing but it's not an ominous character. And I just thought it was a really interesting decision to sort of show Cyclops as this like I don't know. I, th- I think a lot is said about Cyclops in that one panel. I think it just means dads are dads are scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Rick Rick Remender is not writing this, is he? Uh,
1: no. If that was the case, he would Cyclops would never show up.
3: <laughs>
1: uh Uh but yeah, excellent first issue. Really truly really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Can't wait for issue two. Never Mm -hmm. thought I'd say that about Cable. Same, yeah.
2: Um, Uh, Do we we... want to talk about the other
1: new number one? Yeah, let's go over to Hellion's number one. Uh, Written by Zeb Wells, illustrated by Steven Segovia. Um, So this issue, before I sort of give a judgment on this issue, I do want to say that I feel like after a lot in the first month or so of Krakowian politics, it's been a while since we've gotten anything that felt like it was, like there was real tension between the different sides in Krakow. There's a lot of secrecy, right? We see a lot of people going behind each other's backs and stuff like that, but this is the first time we've had like a Krakowian political argument around the table in a long time. And I like that. I don't know if I like this particular argument or not, but I like the return to the sort of Krakowan politics. Um, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Vince, what do you think of this issue?
3: Um, pro- Probably my least favorite X-related comic, uh, aside from Fallen Angels, I think. Um, I just don't like the cast. I don't have much familiarity with them, but um, you know they're they're pretty much all written to be fairly unlikable in this, and and that's and that's the point. But like, ugh, just <clears throat> nothing to tether myself to uh, of interest with with any of these mutants. Um, Psylocke, a little, I guess, or, or Kwanin, um but. To, yeah, I'm just I'm not I'm not interested in following this cast around and I think the idea of creating an X-Men Suicide Squad or whatever this is, you know, um yeah. is fine, but we already kind of have a sort of similar thing with X-Force as far as like the team that's supposed to do the dirty work that other Teams don't or can't or whatever, um, and also just that idea was executed in the most irritating way possible uh, for me throughout this thing.
1: Um, Zach, what do you think?
2: Yeah i i'm pretty i'm pretty similar. Like i i know who these characters are, but I've you know, have not read a lot of the stories that they come from. I just kind of know about them tangentially and it's not a cast I particularly care about at all either and I don't really want to. You know, I'm I could see this being the kind of book that, you know, a dozen issues in you really start to care about some of these characters and it it really surprises you, but I almost just don't even (laughs) want to take the time to get to that. Um, which is maybe dumb. Maybe that's like not a good attitude. Um, I thought that there were some, you know, genuinely funny parts in this and also like some really well-written, uh, parts with the council stuff. Like you mentioned, Brian, um, but yeah, ultimately, I just you know, I I don't I think that this is much closer in quality to the rest of the line than Fallen Angels was. I think it like tonally fits better with the line than Fallen Angels did. But it's still, it's almost like a de facto Fallen Angel sequel. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is really weird. Um, and I also was really kind of bothered. The I think the thing that bothered me the most was way the way Havoc was presented in this, oh, just because yeah. it feels so. Number one, it shoehorned. feels like we're missing something yeah, it feels yep. shoehorned. It feels like we're missing something, which I'm sure will be explained, but it also doesn't really line up with the way he's being written and the way he's being used in other books, you know, particularly the main X-Men book. So that that was a weird sticking point for me.
1: Yeah. I was trying to find a way to pronounce Suicide Squad with X's. Like suicide Squad, or something like that. That was yeah, me, yeah, yeah. My, my initial review of this. Um but, Suicide. Yeah, exactly. But vinci beat me to it. Um I mean what, I, are we,
3: I, some kind of Hellion squad.
1: Yeah. But, I mean I, I think it's pretty funny that like the person who was put in charge to keep them in line is Katana in the suicide squad and is Psylocke here. <laughs> and, you know, um I feel like Havoc is the Harley Quinn of the Summers family. So uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just what? trying, to find, way- I'm just trying yeah. to find a way to connect it. I have no actual way to say that. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, to be Mr. fair, Mr. Sinister be- is the Mr. house. Sinister, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, this isn't a. I don't hate the idea of Mr. Sinister exerting more sort of power and influence over the Quiet Council. I think that's an interesting um, turn that the book could take. I don't hate the idea of mutants having to do some sort of atonement for their sins as opposed to just being banished, you know, the way that uh, Sabretooth was, for instance. Mm -hmm. I don't hate any of that as a concept. I just think it doesn't fit together particularly well here. And like you both said, I don't know who the fuck this cast is. Like I I am the least read X person since the mid-90s. And so I don't know who these people are for the most part. And I don't really care who they are because this book didn't give me any real reason to care about them. I care about Havoc, and he's presented really weirdly. I care about Mr. Sinister because of the way he's been presented in other books. And although he's funny here, I don't know if we learn anything new about Mr. Sinister as a character here. Uh, So, yeah, this was a bit of a letdown. Like you said, Zach, though, I do think there could be interesting things to come from this in the future. Mm -hmm. I just don't think we're there yet.
2: Yeah, I could see this being like a sleeper hit. Um, But
3: the worst books always are. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) No,
2: not not in that kind of way. I hope not. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, this is like a, deep cut thing. And this is, this is a book that's like really heavily centered in like eighties X-Men comics. Um, almost all these characters I think are big eighties, maybe, maybe some nineties. I'm not sure about like the, uh, some I, I'm not sure about all of them. I know some of them are like big in the eighties. So this is kind of like the, old X-Men fan book i guess in a way
1: i don't know i mean i i understand what you're saying but i feel like old X-Men fans want books that feel like old X-Men comics and this doesn't feel like even though the cast might be older characters yeah. this doesn't feel like an old X-book
2: well i don't i mean but that's also like no no current comics really feel like old comics unless they're being written by you know, Dan like Mar- Marv Wolfman or Dan Jurgens or something. Yeah. Which, like, you know, Zeb Wells is like not, he's not an old comic book writer, but he's a name that I associate very much with like comics 10, 15 years ago as opposed to now. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know. Th- this book, it's, uh, it's towing a lot of lines, I guess, you know? Yeah. I, I would be, I, I will be surprised if this book runs more than a year, but who knows? We'll
1: see. What I think you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing certain books emerge as the cornerstone X titles more than just, obviously X-Men is right now. Right. But I think you're Mm -hmm. going to see like, I wouldn't be surprised if either Excalibur or Marauders takes that secondary spot once Hickman's done with his new mutants uh, arcs. Or is he supposed to be in the book indefinitely?
2: I on um, I think he's, I think he's done with New Mutants. Okay, is my understanding. So, I think Brisson is is in charge for good now. Yeah, so oh. I
1: I wouldn't be surprised if you saw maybe Excalibur take that number two spot, and then I'd say Marauders maybe number three. Although X Force, I don't know. But, but what, what I'm saying is, I think you're going to see more books that are out there just for six, eight, twelve issues, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if they're not solicited that way.
2: Mhm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think some of these upcoming books. I think like X Factor has potential to be a really important book.
1: Who's writing? I, X-Factor I feel again? like
2: uh, Leo Will. Oh, Is it yeah. William Williams? Williams, Williams yeah. yeah. But that's like the Resurrection Team. Yeah. Book, or, and I, I, I could see that one ended up being pretty. Important. Whereas, like, the Children of the Atom book feels like it could be cool, but it it kind of feels more like this one, where the premise feels way more tangential to everything um, than, than, like, your Marauders. Or, you know, even Excalibur, if it wasn't for the fact that Ten of Swords was coming up, I would consider that book pretty tangential. Um,
1: But, yeah, I don't
2: know. It's really, it's hard to judge because we just don't know what's coming up.
1: Yeah. Anything else to add about Hellions? Mm-mm. All right. Well, then, let's. Uh, should we do Giant Size next? Sure. And then end with the X Men double shot? All right. Mm-mm. So let's talk about Giant Size X Men Nightcrawler number one, written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated by Alan Davis. Well, I can't remember the last time he did an X book.
2: Um, I'm sure he's. I well I'm not sure I feel like he's probably done some stuff I know that there was like an, an issue of X-Men gold that was like that was an Excalibur anniversary issue okay. I would have been surprised if he wasn't involved with that I don't
1: know
3: he seems like an artist that would would have been on an annual for sure yeah, Be-
1: yeah between that's fair. yeah
3: between uh, X-Men forever and now remember X-Men forever <laughs> do, I yeah. do. yeah yeah
1: but I feel like he's such a classic X-Men artist. It's always nice to see him pop up.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, who wants to start this one? I have I have a thought, but I'm I'm very happy to let someone else take lead on this. Uh,
3: I, I have
2: a thought. I bet we all have a thought.
3: I have a thought. I I'm. This was fine. There's nothing wrong with this. Um, the problem for me is that like you you set up Nightcrawler to have this story. I think it was in X-Men um, about potentially creating his own mutant religion or whatever. And I it's probably my fault for expecting this, but I, I'm thinking like, okay, I want to follow that Nightcrawler story now. Like that, that's what I'm interested in. And this issue has absolutely zilch to do with that. Yep.
2: It's <laughs> weird. It's weird. Um, so like in interviews Hickman kind of said that these issues went through a lot of changes like initially he wanted them to be annuals of each different series and then for whatever reason Marvel said no and then he was going to make them like giant sized issues of each one and they said no and then they like got on the character thing but he said that each book wasn't necessarily just like focused on one character. And it, it seems like this book could have been like a new mutants thing or really like a Doug Ramsey. This was like a Doug Ramsey story.
3: Yeah. Giant size cypher. Great. It's
2: giant. Yeah. yeah, But you can't, that doesn't sell anything. So it seems like really bad marketing in general.
1: Yeah. Um, My my thought for this issue was that I really enjoyed this issue in a vacuum. I thought it was a well-told, well-drawn story but it's absolutely what I don't want from a Nightcrawler story right now. And I yeah. thought that giving Nightcrawler his own spotlight, this is like, if is if going to start his own religion, there's a lot of sort of minutiae that you want to know as a reader, but there probably isn't room for in the monthly X-Men book. So this is like a perfect place to sort of do that info dump at the start of a series, or at the start of, a, of a, an arc, rather, and let this build into um into what's happening in those other books and this story is probably never going to be referenced again in any oh i comic. think you're
2: i think you're way wrong about that actually but really? um Why? yeah i think that this is like being told purposefully i think this is like setting up for really big things um uh are you, are you, do you want me to like get into that, or do you want to do you I mean, want to finish?
1: I, I don't. I don't have that much more to say. You know, I thought the Alan Davis art was nice. I thought it was very reminiscent of X Men books from my youth. I thought that there was some nice moments here, but I really the biggest comment I want to make is that with the exception of him bamfing a few times, there's no reason for this to be Nightcrawler's story. There's n- there's nothing in it that's, yeah. that. Is particularly nightcrawler-y. and that's the biggest sin of the book to me.
2: Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. Again, I think that's just like a marketing thing, is what it had to have been. It's really weird. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do think that this series is uh, this issue is super important for s- things that Hickman's wanting to do um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, we we already knew that. Doug had Warlock somehow, and that is a- expressed here, and now Magic knows, but but they're keeping it a secret for some reason. I feel like that's important and will be referenced again. Um, this race, the Sidri, um, I don't know if you noticed, we'll talk about it here in a minute, but they get referenced in the data pages of X-Men number nine. Um as a a hive mind race that the Kree have tried to weaponize before. Um, And so I have ideas about that, what I'll talk about when we get to the X-Men issues, but I think that's important. And um, I don't, this is the thing I'm like the most iffy on, but I, I kind of would not be surprised if Hickman has plans for Lady Mastermind. It seems weird that he would bring her back in this issue specific specifically. And then we never see her again, but um, that that's the one I'm the most iffy on, but I, I think that this issue will get referenced
1: again. Vince, any more thoughts on this
3: issue? Uh, Only to, only to say I was going to talk about the, the warlock thing, but Zach covered it. Um, I, I do think one of the interesting things about the Hickman X stuff is that Every issue, no matter how seemingly um, standalone or useless something might be, I, I think we're finding that there's a potential for any of this stuff to come back at any time or anything that seems like there's a bigger story there not showing up again, ever. <laughs> so I feel like I wouldn't put it past Hickman to completely drop any of this stuff or continue to fold any of it in. I, I feel like I'm, I'm whiffing making, trying to make guesses as to what actually is important or not in any of this stuff. And that's, I don't think that's a bad thing. That's a good, it keeps me intrigued. You know, it keeps me on my toes. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is like, uh, yeah, I could see any of this coming back or I could totally see the story going in a completely different direction.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Alright, well, that brings us to uh, our final issues of the night, which are X-Men number 8 and 9, uh, written by... The first issue is written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated by Mahmoud Asrar. Second issue, written by Hickman, illustrated by Leno Francis Yu. Um... Vince, why don't you start us off with this one? You you had you had the least to say about uh, Nightcrawlers. Why don't you start us off? What do you think about these two issues?
3: Uh, I loved this. I loved this, and I was so delighted to see that it was a multi-issue uh, arc of this because you know most of this X Men books so far have been relatively standalone type things. Um, so this, uh, you know, having it be a two. Two issue arc that that again feels like it has massive ramifications for the Krakoan status quo but then again who knows you know but but uh, because the funny thing about it and we'll, we'll get to it when we talk about the next issue of this but the funny thing about it is that it's this it's this two-issue arc that feels massive and then it kind of ends on a gag <laughs> <laughs> Which is, but it's not, but not a gag because there's, there's story ramifications that can go forward with this. But it's, it's so delightfully Hickman in that way where it's like, okay, this seems like massive, uh, galaxy spanning stuff that ends with a bit of a joke that says, let's not take ourselves too seriously here, you know? Um, so I really appreciated that, uh, but I know Zach is dying to talk about how closely this ties into the uh, Marvel Cosmic Annihilation War of Kings stuff. So I, I want I want him to go off on that. Okay.
2: Okay. Before I get into that, just like a few, I I, I really liked this too. I too liked that it was kind of a two-parter and really it's almost kind of like part five and six of Hickman's new Mutant stuff. Um, cause it picks right off the back yes. of that arc. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a lot of fun to me. Um, and, and I thought some of the character stuff in this issue or in these two issues was some of the best that we've had in, um, the main X-Men book. Um, not that there hasn't, there's been a lot of good character work, but this is kind of, the most X Men characters we've seen interacting in this book, um, and and it, it, it was big and, and bombastic in a way that I think we haven't really seen since um, Hawkspox. Um, so that that was cool. But yeah, um, yeah, big stuff here. Um, so we, um, I guess, like first thing. Is um, you know we have these pages, these data pages that are kind of talking about the aftermath of War of Kings, with you know where Gladiator, Black Bolt, and Vulcan ended up, and um, I think maybe I guess everyone had kind of assumed that Vulcan had died and was resurrected because um, it it seemed like he died in War of Kings, but uh, this tells us that he didn't die, and there's never a- die never died, never died. Uh, there's this great panel that is a like exact recreation of a panel or a page i should say from uh ff number six also written by hickman illustrated i pretty sure by greg takini i want to say there's a name um, i haven't heard in a long time i know i know um which originally it was a page of black bolt kind of drift it it was the it was the story of what happened to black bolt after war of kings Mm. and it's it's recreated here with vulcan um which is very interesting has a lot of um implications um but yeah i mean there's just a lot of things going on here let me uh let me pull up my notes because i took some notes i never take notes uh, this is not an important note, but this the sextant is is Namek. Do you know? Have you noticed that, Vince? Their houses are Namekian <laughs> houses.
3: Yeah, a good, um, good call.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's just a lot of stuff going on here that I feel like, if you want to be a conspiracy theorist, is like a lot of stuff that interacts with things that are going on in other Marvel books. And also like with past Hickman stuff that feels like it's going to end up playing out in certain ways. Um, Like for instance, um, so we have, so we have this stuff in issue we have this stuff with the brood which is a society with a hive mind and he he goes out of his way several times to like mention numbers related to the brood like 6 trillion drones 1000 queens etc um, and you know hive mind large numbers that like immediately makes me think of the Hox pox um Phalanx, intelligence, Dominion stuff. So that feels really intentional um to me because now we have like Brew who no, first of all, love Brew, loved all of the um Jason Aaron characters that show up in this. Um Brew and Kubar Kubark, um, Kid Gladiator, all good stuff there. Um, but it it makes me wonder if um, this is another line in that thread. Um, you know, we've already kind of talked about before how all of the um, the mutant memory b- banks feel like that too. So this is just like another piece of that puzzle. Um, also, just kind of tying in all the cosmic stuff, we now have Brew in charge of if not all, you know, uh, at least all of the The brood in this galaxy which this is like such a hickman thing but he he'll introduce such a a wacky concept of the king egg but then he'll immediately plant seeds of how it can be used differently um in particular you know he he creates all of these rules for how things can be counteracted so you know now brew is in charge of all the brood unless there's a second king egg or unless a a, (laughs) unless a a brood empress comes back. So it's like, ah, Chekhov's gone. Um, I Uh, imagine these are things that are going to happen. Um, but then also just thinking about how this might all tie in with like empire stuff with all the space stuff going on in there. Um, he specifically, again, somewhere in here, I think refers to, um, Black Bolt as the Celestial Messiah, which that language is being used a lot in Empire right now, um, but referring to um, what's his name, Teddy Hulkling, Hol- um, and then um, there's just there's just a lot of there's a lot of Hickman Ewing overlap going on here. I I really think that Hickman and Ewing are gonna do something after empire that's my theory i i think we'll have a big event within a year of empire that's headed up by ewing and hickman war of kings 2
1: uh so i i enjoyed these issues i probably enjoyed them the least of the three of us in part because i am I have not read most of that Cosmic Marvel stuff, and also because I enjoyed the Hickman issues of New Mutants much less than you guys did. Um, So while I enjoyed parts of this, this was certainly not the uh, slam dunk that it appears to have been for you guys. And part of that is that I've never particularly liked my X-Men in space. I I prefer X-Men stories that are a little bit more... uh, I won't say grounded because that's that's a bad pun. But I, I've always liked, you know, the X Men stories that take place on Earth more than the ones that have taken place in space. So this is sort of like three things I don't particularly either know about or care for all coming together. So, you know, again, I, I enjoyed them just fine. I thought there was some interesting stuff going on here. Uh, but as a sequel to those that new mutant story that I didn't love to begin with this was this this was fine. This was Zack
2: Nip. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the Kree worked on the phalanx. That's wild. It's uh, This is the big stuff. This is the gobblegool. I don't know.
3: <laughs> yeah, I like this a lot. I I, I mark out for the, <clears throat> for the cosmic characters. Um, the moment where, Gladiator. Uh, fights the accuser and he goes shooting out of the <laughs> spaceship. Um, yeah. Fa- Crowd pleasing moment right there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and the art in these two issues, mm-hmm. I think was spectacular. You know, the Asrar art, I think was really great. I I would love if he was on this book more, but I think Lionel Yu's work in issue nine was probably his best work so far on the series in my opinion yeah,
3: some of his best that i've seen so far and yeah and i yeah. i go up and down with him but
2: yeah yeah um yeah now this was really good um and next uh we have the empire cross crossover Indeed, i think i think the the Krukoa text on the last page of nine says Empire, so we're Can you off read to the races.
3: Krukoan, huh? Can you read Krukoan?
2: Yeah, no, I can't. I have my translator cards, though.
3: You do? You yeah.
2: Are, are the, my comic, well, I think all comic shops had these little uh, trading cards when the Dawn of X books came out that were like trading cards for each series plus a little translator card.
3: You're such a Marvel boy.
2: No, I'm just
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so legitimate question for you, Zach. I guess Vince too, because you're reading more Marvel than I am. What do I have to read before this? Like before next month. What, what do I have to catch up on?
2: Oh, I won't I wouldn't say anything. You mean mm. for this for this like the Empire issue? Yes. Uh I mean you could read that Road to Empire book that came out last a couple weeks ago and that'll prime you for the event really um, you could also read incoming if you wanted to um, which I liked a lot um, but I know a lot of people yeah. had issues with
3: in- incoming I would I feel like you don't have to read that if you're only interested in Empire if you're interested generally in what Marvel is doing uh, across the board incomings pretty good but yeah um, the, if you're if you're only worried about Empire and the X-Men crossover, I, I wouldn't bother with that. Yeah. Uh, it it gives you
2: actually I would I would read um I would read the Road to Empire thing, and then there's gonna be two Empire one shots. Um one is Avengers and one is Fantastic Four. And one has I don't remember which is which, but one has Pepe Larraz art and the other has RB Silver art. Okay. Um, and I'm I feel like those are going to
1: be,
2: yeah, I feel like those, and one, the Avengers one is written by Ewing. The Fantastic Four one is Dan Slott. And I, I kind of feel like those are going to be like the setup books too. So I, I think that those would probably be good.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening folks. We shall return next month with our, uh, our look at the books in April. So stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.